This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Diving, diving deep, deep, diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, um, you ready to do a six pack, my friend, and get the people ready? ready? Every week, I'm ready. You ready to go? All right, let's do it. So we do our pregame six pack for this one, final regular season game, but hopefully not the final game of the season for the Texans. They're a one-point favorite as of this morning, uh, the Texans are, which scares me a little bit because they've not functioned well as a road favorite this year. They're 0-3 as a road favorite against Atlanta, Carolina, and the New York Jets, but we'll see what happens. So, John, uh, six players, coaches, position groups, storylines, whatever, to get the people ready for this game. You go first, as always. They're 6-1 and one when they rush for 100 yards, so I think they need to rush for 100 yards. They don't add, they don't average 100 yards, which is still pathetic. A lot of that has to do with their offensive line. And I asked Bobby Slowick about Chris Strauss, who's the first-year offensive line coach who was with Indy last year, about the job he's done considering all the issues at the front, and he pointed out the fact this Chris, first time Chris has ever coached in his system, and what a good job he's done to make the adjustment. So it starts up front. Uh, shockingly, they have injury issues up front with Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, having to come out with a growing injury in that last game, not to mention the knee injury. He's been battling all season. And so they got to run with Devin Singletary, because if they do hit 100 yards, the odds are they're going to win this game. And uh, I think a lot of that will have to do with Bobby Slowick. And I like the last game, Sean, because he was call, calling in rounds, fake end rounds, anything to throw off the defense on how, what they might do to try to run the ball. And I think that's good. They need versatility. They need a lot of players involved because they're not a very good team running the football. And sometimes I wish C.J. Stroud, when he's rolling out, you see an open field and he throws it. And most of the time it's complete, but sometimes it's not. And I'm thinking, man, take off and run for the sideline because you got a lot of room. So I think that is is crucial to them trying to win this game and considering what they've done so far when they hit 100 yards. Yeah, they and and when Devin Singletary himself has rushed for more than a hundred this year, they're three and zero in the three hundred yard games that he's had. So that's a that's a good one. I my next one, John, is Dalton Schultz. Like Devin Singletary, Dalton Schultz has some incentives that he could hit here with a big game. I, I think I saw if Singletary gets one hundred and sixty five yards or something like that, he gets a big bonus. I think Dalton Schultz is like six catches short 
of a big bonus that he's going to get. I'm sure none of that is going to factor into the play calling. They're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. And I think to win this game, Dalton Schultz is going to have to be essential in this game. He's going to have to be a big part of what they do. Um, in the Indianapolis Colts allow the fifth most targets to tight ends. So teams attack tight ends when they play the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the Texans are going to do the same. Uh, with no Tank Dell out there, you're really still still kind of playing in a box. You know, your ability to attack downfield is hindered significantly with no Tank Dell. And I think that means a lot of Dalton Schultz. You know, CJ getting the ball out quick so he's not taking hits. You know, Indianapolis can rush the passer pretty well. I don't think they're going to want to stick CJ back there taking a bunch of big hits. So the intermediate game to me is big, and that means Dalton Schultz uh, is going to be a big part of what they do on Sun uh, Saturday. Yeah, well, I made that mistake all week. I have to reread everything to make sure I didn't say Sunday. I agree 100%. He's got to get short and intermediate routes, got rid of, get rid of the ball quick. He's sure-handed. And they, they had some good runs after the catch. Not a, long, not a long way, but a short way to get first downs where they just bull their way. And Schultz did it one or two times. And I think he is uh, so important to what they want to do in this game. My second one, Sean, is the deep the front the run defense. It's been fabulous. They go from allowing 170 yards a game last year, one of the all-time worst run defenses. Now they're up to tied for third, and they totally have shut down Derrick Henry. Now, remember those previous five games coming into the first Titans game, he'd average. 203 yards and 7.1 a carry. Now, Jonathan Taylor pales by comparison. He's averaging only 126, and but he's 5-0. and He's never lost to the Texans. He's averaging 126. And in the last three games that he's played against the Texans, and he's been out a while because of injuries, um, he averaged 146, I believe. So he's not in a Henry territory, but the Texans have been great against the run. No Jonathan Grenard, no Malik Willis, no problema because yeah. they were great stopping the Titans' run. But so much of what the Colts want to do, not with Taylor, but Zach Moss as well, who played in that first game, is predicated around the run. They don't want Gardner Minshew throwing the ball 40 times. So you think it sounds like John? You think Grenard and Malik Collins are out for this game? I'm guessing Grenard is. No idea about Malik. Derek Barnett's done a terrific job outside. Whether he's playing for Anderson or Grenard, so they're not in as bad a shape because he plays the run well, real well too. And I went back and and last night, and we're recording this on Thursday. Watched the Titans game for the first mm -hmm. time and saw how well Big Heine, Kurt Heinish, mm -hmm. and Khalil Davis, who started in Malik Collins's place, did against the run. And Derek Barnett and Tinger Tart, all those guys, I don't know what they're feeding them in run defense, but they have been tremendous. Will Anderson only played 12 snaps, all passing. And then Jonathan Grenard was out and they shut down the Titans. I think they're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss. And uh, and this will come down to passing between Stroud and Minshew. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I like the prop bet on uh, Jonathan Taylor rushing yards under. What do you think it is, John? I've got it right here. What do you think the total is if you wanted to place a bet over under Jonathan Taylor rushing yards well, for this game? Based on how well the Texans have been playing run defense and nobody's had 90, much less 100, I would guess it's like, what, 70? 80 and a half. Oh, my goodness. I'd take the under. John, I might get you gambling by the time this podcast over. And I would, you know, mainly because nobody has 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 
run on the Texans, and it doesn't Nobody. matter who plays. That's yep. very interesting that that's the bet. I would have thought it had been 60 or 70. Yeah. But when Derrick Henry gets, what, 51 yards in two games, something like that, and but Taylor, he's healthy. They're a double-headed monster. If you told me their running game would have been 80, then I thought I did think about it. I'd say, okay, they're giving up 88, uh, but only 80 in the last four. Just Taylor. Games. Taylor. Alone, I, yeah. I might take the over as a team. Yeah, right. But not with Taylor. Taylor, 80 and a half. I'm going to pound you know, the under. You remember in uh, 21 when they were beating 60, was it 62 to three? And he had long runs. He had two great games that year. He had an 81-yard run. And so far, if he were to break loose for a long one and then he averaged two yards of carry on his other 15 carries, that's how he would have to reach yeah. 80. Maybe, yeah. And by the way, when John says 62 to three, that was the two games combined that season yeah. Uh, yeah, in, in uh, 2021, the David Cully year. Um, John, my next one is I'm going to stay with the defensive line, but I'm going to go with Willie Anderson. This is a huge opportunity for Willie Anderson on Saturday to make a mark on the national stage and let America, who's already familiar with Will Anderson, obviously. I don't want to make it sound like Will Anderson is this uh, this ghost that's playing in this obscure city and nobody knows who he is. He was a two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year at Alabama. But America has not really gotten to get a look at Will Anderson, the Houston Texan, uh, very, very much because um, this is the first time the Texans have had America to themselves in a primetime game, them and the Colts. Um, so Will Anderson replicating maybe, maybe a few more snaps in this game. We'll see. Situationally, he didn't have to play very much. I would imagine he's going to have to play more than 12 snaps in this game. You know, he once they knew the game was over, they didn't even put him back in in that Tennessee game. I would imagine that the snap count, if, if he's still dealing with the same health issue this week, if he's at the same level of health this week that he was last week, I'm guessing it's probably going to be around 20 snaps for him probably. But if he has another game where he gets a couple of sacks and he gets, uh, you know, six, seven QB pressures like he did on 12 snaps last week, it'll be harder this week. They're stepping up in weight class now in terms of the offensive line they're going against. But this is a big opportunity for Will Anderson to impress a lot of people on Saturday. Glad you brought that up because I just sent in my column on Will Anderson and using this game to – possibly overtake Jalen Carter for defensive rookie of the year. And I got pro football focuses, all their important stats on these two. Oh, oops. Oh, John's headphones came out. That's what I'm guessing. John's got to plug them back in. John McLean with a headphone. Sorry about that. That's okay. Your headphone. I do that all the time, John, like where you accidentally knock the, the headphones out of the bottom of the microphone. And I'll give you an example. Will has seven sacks. Carter has six, but yeah, Will's overall grade, 83-0, Carter, 86-2. Will is a lot better against the run, 80.1 to 65.2. When it comes to the pass rush, Will is 77-3, and Carter is 84-3. But Will has 70 pressures. That's third in the NFL. Yeah, That's third to Micah Parsons and Max Crosby, 70-44. to 44. And when it comes to hurries, Will has 36, Carter has 33. So it's very close. The difference is Carter played great early. Yeah. He had uh, 80. He's had one grade of at least 80 in his last eight games. Will's had at least 80 in two of his last three. Carter had 90 in two of his first three. And he is really, as their defense, 
has not played nearly as well in this 1-4 stretch where Will has picked it up at the end of the year. But this game could put him over the top because Carter's had all those nationally televised games because yeah. he, he went to a Super Bowl team and Will went to the second-worst team in the NFL. So this means so much to him. I think Kevin Stefanski's got Coach of the Year nailed down. But I think if they talk about and point out all the things Nick Casario has done on that national TV broadcast, all those voters, there's 50 on the AP panel. That includes ex-players and coaches and general managers who are in the media, as well as a lot of writers and broadcasters. So they're going to have a captive audience, and it's not just for the Colts, Colts and Texans. But uh, it's there's more at stake than the playoffs. I think I, I think that for Will specifically too, John. They, you know they're going to do these production meetings. I'm sure with with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and whoever else for this game. Lisa Salters, I think, is their sideline reporter. Um, and I'm guessing the text. If they're smart, they'll feed Will Anderson to them as one of the players they talk to because he's a great face of the franchise. And my guess is they're going to love him. And that's going to come through on the broadcast as well. You know what I mean? Like that's you're going to get a, point. you're going to feel for Will Anderson, the player. But boy, you're going to be getting Will Anderson stories probably through the filter of some people that sat down with him and really, really took to him. Is my guess? We, it was like when we had them Anderson and Stroud that next day after the draft when they came here and when they finished, we're like, wow. Yeah. And I, I hope they point out. I I tweeted this this morning. He doesn't weigh two forty three. The Texans keep have him 17 pounds under what he was. He was 253 at the combine. I went back and looked it up. And he told us at the end of camp he'd beefed up to 260. And why they they don't they run like high school weights here and they won't change them. I don't know why. Drives me crazy. I'm the only one that cares. But when you're John, John you're literally the only one who cares. When you're 17 pounds off on a guy uh, that that drives. What if we were seventeen uh, points off on a score or something? But yes, I'm the only one that cares that Will Anderson weighs two sixty instead of two forty three because he worked cause... really hard to get to two sixty, and I think he deserves some credit for doing that. This this weight fascination of yours really seems to have bubbled to the surface, at least in my radar with you in the last year or so. Is it because you dropped all that weight on soda weight loss? No, I've been you're... bugging them for that for years. Okay. They used to change it when they went into camp every year. And then when Jack, because I would ask him to do it so we could get accurate weights after everything everybody had done in the offseason on the weight program, including people who'd lost weight. They should get credit for that. Hey, and real quick, uh, then, then Jack, John, real quick, yeah. real quick, I got to go get my charger or else we're, my computer's going to go down here. You go ahead and I'll keep talking. How keep about talking, that? John. Do your thing. And then Jack Easterby came in and all of a sudden they would not give accurate weights. I don't know why. And that has continued since. Uh, since well Easterby's gone. I just I can't figure out why they want to put out inaccurate information. But like I say, they tell me you're the only one complaining about it. And I'm thinking I'm probably the only person that knows it that pays enough attention. Like little things that I always do, like pronunciations of players' names. I always want to pronounce pronounce them right. So I look at it and I look them up on on uh, YouTube where they have a player pronouncing them themselves. So I'm the only person that cares about ac accuracy when it comes to size, but so they're never going to change it anymore. Like they used to at the start of every training camp. All right, John, you got the last bottle of the six pack for you here. I got one and you got one. You go first on the, the filling this thing out. I do two games ago. Joe Flacco goes deep to Mari Cooper, 52 yards on the first play. First series against the Titans. Will Levis goes deep. The guy was open. He could have caught it. He didn't. So I'm guessing that Gardner Minshew is going to do a play action to Jonathan Taylor. 
and he's going to go deep to test them because their safeties have struggled in coverage, their corners, except, you know, corners make some big plays. Desmond King has played better than anybody you ever thought. Derek Stingley Jr. has been fantastic. Steven Nelson may be the toughest guy on the team. He's always hurt. He's always there. But they have trouble on plays down the field, and you know Gardner Minshew, who's 0-3 against the Texans as a starter, but came off the bench to win the first game, that he's going to utilize that play action with Taylor. Uh, For sure. (laughs) I would if I were the opposing team. The Texans have been horrible against play action defensively this year on shots down the field. John, my last one is going to be the interior of the Texans offensive line against the interior of the Colts defensive line. That's the strength of the Colts defensively is that tandem of DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart has been against the Texans for the last few years. They, they, they have big games against the Texans, make big plays. They're very talented. Um, and at times, Juice Scruggs and Michael Dieter and Shaq Mason, more so the first two, though, have struggled at maintaining the interior of that uh, offensive line. They were better last week. Uh, they were Their pro football focus grade was the best as a unit. I think you and I talked about this uh, in the last episode. They had their best grade as a unit um, this past week against the Titans. I think as a unit, they were 85.3 or something in pass blocking. Um, they're going to need to be you know close to that level again to keep CJ, CJ Stroud clean, keep that clutter from coming up the middle on him, which is, you know, if you talk to quarterbacks, he seemed to hate that more than the clutter that comes off the edge, the clutter up the middle. He can't step into throws and whatnot. So for me, the Texans offensively, the interior of that offensive line needs to play at worst a B plus or A minus game. Grover Stewart has played so well against the Texans. If he played yeah. Texans every game, he might be in the Pro Bowl every year. Um, I'll say this. They had six sacks in that first game. That's still the most Texans have allowed. Now, a lot of that was a rookie quarterback, but also mm-hmm. an offensive line. Injury rack, decimated. And uh, But I'm guessing we're going to see Stroud rolling out and getting rid of the ball quick because, and you know, so much is dependent on him, uh, how he throws the ball. And they play a lot of zone. I saw last night they play 69% zone, and he has a 143 rating against zone coverage. But the Colts will let you just go up and down the field. They just don't want you scoring touchdowns. Yep. Um, all right, John, so what's your prediction for the game? I'm taking the Texans in this, in this game. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of field goals, a lot of red zone issues for the Texans. So I'm going four Kaimi Farron field goals. That's 12 and four, 26 to 24. 26, 24 Texans. John, because my feel has been so off with the Texans and my predictions have been so off with the Texans week to week over the last couple of months, Colts 27, Texans 23, and I hope my streak of being wrong continues so that's my prediction on the game Colts 27 Texans 23 I'm with you the 23 is three field goals and two touchdowns the red zone's a real concern for the Texans you know this is this ain't the Titans where you can just kick a bunch of field goals because you know they're going to score three points uh the Colts can they can score they're one of the they're in the upper third of the league in points scored this year offensively so they're a good team other teams Um, don't want to hear I'm sorry Sean other teams don't want to hear about injuries but let's be honest when you have gone through as many offensive linemen as they have, and then when you think about your best pass rushers out, probably, maybe your best tackles out, maybe your second best pass rusher plays 15, 20 snaps, and you you got problems, and one of your top safeties is out as well. 
uh, those are not excuses. Those are reasons. Yep. And uh, that's why they're going to have to really get after Minshew at the, once they stop the run and not let him have time to throw in the pocket because he's got some good receivers. But I can't imagine there's many more teams that have more issues than the than the Texans, although i got to admit, the Browns with their top three offensive tackles on IR, and they still win, and, of course, playing a fourth quarterback fourth and losing quarterback, Nick Chubb. Yeah. That's why Kevin Stefanski is going to win Coach of the Year. Yeah, I don't think D'Amico can catch him. I was just on a show before you and I started recording this podcast, The Gambling Show, and one of the hosts asked me, does D'Amico still have a chance to catch Kevin Stefanski? And I was like, you guys are the gambling people. Look at the odds board. Can you go from <laughs> 9 to 1? Kevin Stefanski's literally 1 to 9, and D'Amico's 9 to 1. I'm like, is there going to be something D'Amico can do in 60 minutes of football to flip that? I doubt it.